0: So this kind of goes what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about the church. Uh, we're, t- we're in this why series, and so we talked like why, last week we talked about why is there suffering. If you didn't see that, you can go online and watch it. It might be helpful to you. Uh, why is there difficulty, you know, and today I want to talk about why the church, and as we think about that, you know, why, why, why church, why the church, why church, we think of the church locally, we ch- think of the church globally, there's a lot of ways to think about it, and uh, so why, why do we need church? I mean, think about it. I mean, I mean, it's filled with broken people and bare, most of them who barely manage to live above the level of the world. If at all, in other words, a lot of, a lot of church people don't look any different than anybody else. Have you noticed that? You know, it's filled with hypocrites, right? Churches filled with hypocrites, people who say one thing and do another. Does anybody here recognize that you might be a hypocrite? None of us are living to the standard of the righteousness that we received. We've been, we are the sons of God. Now we are the sons of God. Uh, church, people I've found, church people I've found, like anybody else, can be very disobedient to the commands of Jesus. To love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So so it's one reason not to be a part of the church because the church is so flawed. You know, because it's so full of people. (laughs) People are flawed. We and we understand our flaws. We just don't understand other people's flaws. You know, we we judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge others by their actions. So, so then you might think. So here's a whole. Not, so that's one camp. I mean, why the church? Because the church is so flawed and messed up anyway. At least you know every one I've been a part of, and I've been a part of this one for forty years. So, uh, and isn't so the other side is it is isn't a relationship with Jesus a personal relationship? I mean, we talk about that. You need a personal relationship with jesus christ you need to have a personal relationship so so isn't it just can i just have a relationship between me and jesus do i need to have a relationship with the other christians i mean you know this is kind of a common theology uh Me and you know, I think this is an old Chris Christopherson song, but I'm not absolutely sure. But it's it's old. But there's a mentality here. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. Me and Jesus, we got it all worked out. I don't need nobody to tell me what it's all about. So that's kind of a mentality, you know, that, that it's a personal thing. I don't need to, I don't need to be in the church because the church is flawed and I've got this thing going with Jesus. And if, and you know, and, and what I like about this thing that I have with Jesus is that I get to do what I want. So what does it mean? So the purpose of the, the purpose of the church defined by Jesus, the purpose of the church, one of the many purposes, and I can't cover all of them today, kind of like, You know, suffering could be a series, and this could certainly be a series. Uh, But I'd rather just burden you down with a whole lot in one day. Uh, (laughs) uh, The purpose of the church is to overcome the works of Satan. One of the main purposes of the church is to destroy the works of the devil. God sent us. in other words, we're partnering with God in that. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Caesarea Philippi was, not, was kind of a, it certainly was a pagan city. It was, uh, it was named after uh, Caesar, of course. And then Philip had uh, rebuilt built it, and so he had also put his name on there. To, there was another Caesarea to, to differentiate between the two. And it was also a place where there was the Grotto of Pan, uh, where there was, you know, of course, the Romans had a multitude of gods that they worshipped, many, many gods. One of the gods was Pan. And Pan is the, you know, goat bottom man on top or horse bottom man on top. And uh, so the worship of, they worshiped Pan there, and there was a grotto there, a cave that they believed was, they thought of caves as entrances to Hades. There was a, anytime there was a deep place, in other words, this is a place, you know, kind of a (laughs) scary place that, you know, they would just, just like they we we think of hell. When you think of hell, where do you think hell is? I mean, just right off the top of your head, where is hell? Hell's down. Right? That's the way we think of it. Why? Because it's the underworld. Well, where, where do dead people go? Well, they get buried in the ground. So, so so that there's a whole connotation of how so, so they're in Caesarea Philippi, which is not really where a bunch of good Jew boys would go, but Jesus takes them there. And it's a 120-mile. This is a 120-mile journey from Jerusalem. This is no walk in the park. This is a a journey to make this point. So you think about, so Jesus and his disciples, they walked from Galilee, maybe, you know, another, maybe it's 80 miles, 90 miles, instead of 120 miles. And he said to the disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Basically, he said, this is way above your pay grade. You'd have never figured this out. God gave you this. God God showed you this. (laughs) It was revealed to you, but by my father who's in heaven. And I tell you, you're Peter. And on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the christ so he says to peter you're on this rock on this rock so is peter the rock or is this confession of faith the rock so you know which is the rock which is it well if if you follow all of the teachings of Jesus, Jesus, the, the rock to Jesus is if you believe in me. As the scripture has said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. So the rock to Jesus is not the individual Peter. The church is not built upon the individual Peter. The church is built upon the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is. He said, upon this confession of faith, that Jesus is sin of God, Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is going to come and die. They don't understand all of this yet, but they're going to understand all the dimensions of it later, that Jesus is going to come and die on their behalf. And then he's going to do this incredible thing. He is going to defeat hell in the grave and be raised from the dead. So he's saying, upon upon the faith on who I am and what I've done, I will build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now this word church is interesting. The word church is it wasn't used a lot uh, in Greek. Otherwise, uh, and it was wasn't used the way Jesus is thinking about it, is that uh, the Greek word is ecclesia for church, and it means assembly, and it's it comes out of two words that means in a sense the called out ones. Uh, the in you know so. So, any of you ever, uh, when you were in elementary school and you and they split up teams for sides, wasn't that a, wasn't that horribly the discouraging and depressing? Because you want to be picked first, and the horrible thing is to be picked last. But you hope at least you will be picked somewhere in the in the messy middle, right? And so, but but for for the and the team that you want to be on, you know. So the team captain is up there, and he's looking, and he's trying to decide who's going to be good at this game of kickball or basketball or whatever it is that you're going to play during recess. And, and it's glorious when he, he looks at you and says, you, because you know you don't want to be last. You don't want to be left out. You know that everybody's going to be picked, but you know the people that are picked the last couple of ones, you know they're losers, and you don't want to be a loser. Right? But so he's saying, so what Jesus said, I'm going to build my church of people that I'm going to pick my call, I'm going to call them out. And William even alluded to it, how God calls us out to salvation. And we, we use this, the word chosen is very powerful Christian word that we use, that we were, were chosen of God. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. We were chosen in him. That consider my beloved brethren paul says of his choice of you think that god chose you you know that 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 here's the difference here's the difference how god chooses god chooses he looked out and said oh this one's really in bad shape he's not really good a good performer i'm going to choose this one (laughs) he chooses just the opposite of the way the world chooses he chooses broken hurting people that's why the church is full of broken hurting people They're the ones that God chooses, the poor, the struggling. If you think, oh, I'm the only one struggling in here, you're not. We're not all struggling with the exact same thing, but we're all struggling. So Jesus chooses us, and uh, the called out ones, and he said, I'm going to build my assembly. I'm going to build my church, this assembly of my invited ones. And this assembly, this, this (laughs) this assembly empowered by me is going to stop the forces of hell. That's what he says. He said, Hey guys, here's something, what I tell you is going to happen? You guys. And you're thinking, huh? That was a lot of, that was a response. A lot of times of when Jesus asked them a question, they'd say, you know, they would go, huh? We don't know. They didn't get it yet. They, they it took them a while to get it. Sometimes it takes us a while to get it. But they, when they got it, they realized God called them to this group, this ragtag group of guys. They they literally became an unstoppable force that turned the world upside down. It. Jesus is saying, "I am going to storm the gates of hell with you guys," and it has actually happened. And you are a result of that. You have been pulled from the fire. You've been pulled out of the gates of hell and changed your destiny and direction into the destiny of the sons of God. He said, I'm going to build my church. We're going to stop the forces of hell. He said, instead, this church is going to bind the work of the devil. You're going to bind What needs to be bound, and you're going to loose. What needs to be loose, you're going to set people free that have been held captive by Satan. So one of the main purposes of the church is that we are going to undo the works of the devil. That's our calling, is to fight against the gates of hell. 1 John 3, 8. Whoever practices, who makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So God's using us as the church, the body of Christ, individually and worldwide. He uses us, you know, and we think of it in these aspects. This is a church. We are the church. The church is, is, is not just us, though, of course. The church is everybody who's, who's in the family of God. So we're, we're part of this global church, and we're part of a local church. The purpose of the church is to tell the world the good news about salvation through Jesus Christ. So one of the purposes of the church is to destroy the work of the devil. Another pur- purpose of the church is to be those who declare salvation, Ephesians three eighteen, Paul is talking about this great gift. He said he got called by God, he was, a, he was a Jew, and then God called him to reach the Gentiles. And he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the, the saints, this grace was given to me to preach the, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So what is this mystery? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So that salvation, God saving us, was a mystery in heaven. God understood it. God the Father understood it. The Son understood it because they planned it for the foundation of the world. But one of the reasons, it's often given why Satan fell, because he didn't like God's plan. God's plan is to to take humans... And put his spirit in them and make them higher than the angels. He didn't like that. He didn't like losing his place to a bunch of stumble bums. Or as we talked about several weeks ago, knuckleheads. Right? He said, so this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So, God wants us, one of the main things that we're going to do is tell people about Jesus, to tell people the gospel, the good news. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. What is the good news? The God, Jesus said, believe on the gospel in John three sixteen before he's ever gone to the cross, because the, to to believe on Jesus is to believe that he is going to, he is a son of God, and he's going to accomplish everything he's promised to accomplish in regards to salvation, to believe the good news that he's preached. And then he says, then he calls us, so we're going to reach the world. uh, This, you know, we're all to reach the world. We're, We're to see people come to Christ. And so the key to that is found in John 13. The key to reaching the world is one of these things. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's the key. This is the, the, this is the number one thing that God calls us to as the church and as Christians. I command you, love one another just as I have loved you. Has God loved you well? Huh. In the same way God's loved you, he said, I want you to love one another. By this, then he says, verse 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another, so when we love each other the way God wants us to love each other, then it opens a door for the gospel. When people see the church being the church, it opens the door for the gospel. People want to hear the message because they think, "Wow, that's something. That is something." Now you've heard this before, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit you with the highlights of this talked about how the New Testament church destroyed the gods of the Roman culture. By, by the year 300, the church was winning the war against the Roman gods. And in a sense, they destroyed the Roman gods. They overtook the Roman gods with Christianity. And which is amazing when you think, think what they did, because they had no power. They had no political power. They had no political party. They had no prestige. They didn't have their guy in office, <laughs> they, didn't have, they, they didn't have a conservative in the office. They didn't have the, they didn't have the, uh, the House or the Senate. Uh, they had nothing. They, and they couldn't even legally meet for most of that time. It became uh, persecution for meeting as Christians. Originally, they could meet because they were a Jewish sect. But by, the, by 70 A.D., when, when Rome came and fought against Jerusalem, uh, uh, Israel and destroyed the temple, then by then the the Jews had p- p- cast the Christians out. They did not allow Christians in the synagogue. So now they became a separate group and Rome persecuted them because Rome didn't like anybody to gather in groups that wasn't sanctioned because they figured it was a coup. So, so the New Testament church is meeting and they're meeting secretly uh, they're meeting in little groups, everywhere they can meet. They're meeting in houses. You say, why, why didn't the New Testament church build churches? Because they couldn't. Wouldn't, I mean, they, they often met in large houses and, and larger houses, and there were also often larger churches. But the, they didn't have the ability to be that open in broad daylight. So they were doing what they, a lot of what they did. So the New Testament church turned the world upside down and changed the culture. They changed the culture. And they did it by they were multiracial, multi-ethnic and multi- socioeconomic. So the, the, race issue, the race issue in Jesus day was not black-white. It was not considered. That was not, that was not an issue. The race issue in Jesus day was Jew Gentile. But the New Testament Church was multiracial. to it include both Jews and all kind, people from every tongue tribe and nation, because God is redeeming the nations. So he's calling people from every nation. It was multi-ethnic, uh, from you know all kinds of all kinds of cultures, and it was multi-socioeconomic. In other words, it, there there were slaves and their and their masters l- worshiping together. So in church, they were servants of the Lord together. So this was this was different because because the the world was all divided up in rich and poor and caste and haves and the have-nots, and and, and the church is just like oh, that that doesn't matter. What matters is Jesus. And when we anytime we every, every, when the church evangelized India, we messed up because, because early on they just embraced they kept the caste system in place. So, so in so many instances, we've missed great opportunities because we, we, we didn't recognize this. So they turned the world upside down. They were also committed to the poor and the marginalized. I mean, even the people of their day said, these people take care of the poor. And it was normal. it was normal to take care of your poor because it was an honor culture. So you had to take care of your poor. And if you didn't take care of your poor, you were a rat, a rascal. But they didn't just take care of their poor they took of every poor all the poor they could they they rescued babies from abandonment that from infanticide they 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 took children that had been discarded onto the garbage pile mostly girl children that were discarded because uh, they were unwanted and so they would take those children and raise them as their own which had the effect in it about 20 years in after when the church began to do this about 20 years in uh It was hard to find a girl to marry unless she was a Christian because the Roman culture had discarded so too many, just as they did the exact same thing in China and created a a population crisis. Uh, So they they were committed to the poor. They helped the poor. They committed to the poor and marginalized justice, caring for those. Uh, They were non-retaliatory, and this is interesting, uh, and committed to the forgiveness that Jesus had demonstrated. So one of the things god calls us to be and I, you know uh, uh, he calls us to be non-retaliatory so as culture gets increasingly anti-christian and it is and it will as culture becomes increasingly non-christian we our display to the world is to display uh, no revenge Forgiveness, grace. Just as Stephen was stoned, what did he say? He's, he was stoned by those because he claimed that he was a follower of Christ, and he says, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do." Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, what they know not know what they do." Our call is, "Father, forgive them; they don't understand; they don't know what they're doing." So that that was the culture, and they had a revolutionary sex ethic. So they changed the view of sex. In sex, in, in Roman culture, sex was a commodity. More than it, anything else. So, sex was available in multitude of ways, in multitude of places, and the New Testament church changed the sex ethic because they said, "Listen, sex is not willy-nilly to be dis- any anyone you want to have sex with." Basically, what they said, sex is is precious. Sex was not for self gratification; it's just not for your pleasure but forgiving one's whole life in a consensual marriage covenant that fostered deep unity across the differences of male and female. So, so one of the, God uses sex to build families, and he uses that. And the purpose of that is to help people stay together because it's hard for people to stay together because I don't know if you've noticed this, but men and women are different. And it's hard for us to stay together because of our differences. So we make a covenant, we make a commitment, and God uses, one of the things that God uses, he uses uh, sex to help us become one flesh. So in doing that, so we build a covenant relationship, that covenant relationship. So you need a covenant relationship to carry you through difficult times. So you say, listen, I, this, today, today, I don't even like you. But I'm committed to you. And I'm staying with you. I'm not running off every time we have problems. And so that... See, women were, were almost just property. Well, they were just property. So in this relationship, women... You see, some say, well, I don't like the New Testament's view of women. New Testament's view of women elevated women way above what the world said. And said listen women are value women can take place in the church women can teach women can lead women are of value to the body of christ and women are not just objects so 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 god used that so god used that to help them reach the world it changed the culture God is using the church today to destroy the works of the devil and to bring lost people to the knowledge of salvation. The second purpose of this, and I've got just a few minutes, the purpose of the church is to be the body of Christ. We are the body. In other words, what does that mean? Well, Jesus is the head, and we're the body. So 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says it this way, for just as the body is, has one is one and has many members, and all the members of the body though many are one body, so as in Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of of one member, but of many. But it's one body, right? I love this. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And, And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body and that wouldn't make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them as he chooses. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked, that there be no division in the body and that the members have the same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So as as the body of Christ, then we, who is going to witness to this world today? Where's Jesus? Well, he's in me because I'm his body. So how is God going to witness to the world today? He's going to do it through us. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, you're going to represent me. So this is what the Bible says. I'm going to give you a list. And I'm going to do it real quick uh, in theory uh, of what this is. These are the, these are the things uh, that the Bible talks about that we do for one another. You can just look up through the New Testament, one another, and you'll find a greater list than this, but I'm kind of giving you, I'm hitting you high points. And, and this is, this is just the things that as the body of Christ, just like what you do for your own body, we do for one another. Uh, Romans twelve ten: love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Romans twelve sixteen live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. In other words, don't be, do clashes or snobbish. Don't 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 do the things that the church is don't undo things that the church has is done. Don't don't create a socio economic gathering. Don't don't gather based on race. Romans 15, 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Are you glad that Christ welcomed you? He gave you a welcome. He welcomed you in. He was loving. He was caring. He welcomed you into his family. He said, hey, hey, listen, I'll take you. And we're all surprised. We're all surprised when we think, you're going to take me? You want me? You want me in your family? You want me to be a son of God? Me? Do you really know me? He said, yeah, I know. I know what you've done. I even know what you're going to do. I still want you. Galatians five thirteen. For you were called to freedom, brothers, so you are free. You're, you're not bound. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So one of the things that we're going to do is that we're going to, like we serve our own body, we're going to, we're going to serve each other. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone's caught in a trespass... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We often shoot our wounded instead of helping them. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Do you, do you ever have to bear with people put up with people absolutely you, you, so a lot of times people get surprised they come to church and they get their feelings hurt because the church is filled with broken people, and so somebody says something you know or they don't they, they say something like this okay so so I was at the doctor's i was at the hospital this week uh doing my pre op work for my knee surgery and uh and i was there early and i had on one of my paisley shirts which is about all i have and uh i was sitting there in the waiting room and a lady came by and said i gotta have that shirt and i said or she said i love that shirt i gotta have that shirt and i said well i got it at dillard's and she said in the men's department or the women's department said, well, that was a compliment that went downhill quick, right? And, and we do that. And I don't know if she did it on purpose. She probably didn't. She probably wasn't, you know, it was 7.30 in the morning. She probably wasn't thinking that sharply. She probably wasn't trying to get me uh, because the shirt looked too feminine and I was, you know, that I shouldn't be wearing that feminine shirt or something. I don't know. I don't think she was saying that. I just think she messed up. I didn't, I didn't, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> and uh and that's the way we and we do that. We do that. You know, we'll say things like you look better than you used to. <laughs> Thanks. I I think you're saying that's a compliment. But we in other words, we often, we often say things and we hurt, and the other person takes it. To our, we, we just threw it out there. It was a comment. We weren't, we weren't trying to be mean. We weren't trying to be hurtful. But we just said it, and it was stupid. And we've said it, and I think, oh, I don't know whether I should take that back or even focus on that anymore. I'm just going to let it go. So, you know, so we have to bear with each other. We have to learn how to put up with each other, put up with each other, because we're going to make mistakes, and the, the more you get in proximity, the more you have the propensity to be hurt. So we have to learn to, to forgive and bear with each other. Colossians 3.12, uh, bearing with one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So we've gotta, we have to bear with each other, and then when we get hurt, we have to forgive each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another, build build each other up. We all need to be built up. There's plenty of stuff tearing you down. I I, I don't know if I've heard it once, I've heard it 10,000 times. I said, well, don't give him a compliment, it'll give him a big head. Well, hey, let me tell you this, there's going to be plenty come along to shrink that head. People need compliments, build them up. It, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, hey, when you see somebody, make sure you, make sure you humble them so they realize that, so that they don't get a big head. It doesn't say that. Hey, be sure and humble everybody around you. But se- seemingly, we feel like that's our job. We don't want them to get a big head. Let them get a big head. It'll just last like a nanosecond before somebody will come along and say, where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> Men's department or the women's department? <laughs> right? encourage one another build each other up you notice somebody doing something i mean even as as we serve each other and you you know and you and you go and you grab a donut off the shelf and you think well uh, that's not the one i wanted i was one of those cake kind and there's not i can't believe somebody ate those selfish people ahead of me ate those and you know as as you receive how about being thankful hey thank you for serving in this area thank you i appreciate that hey thank you Just being, just, you know, and you go and pick up your kids. You know, and say, hey, thank you for serving. I I appreciate what, you know, it's encouraging. We all need it. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who's promised his faithful. And let's consider how to meet together, how to, how to, Let's consider how to stir one another to love and to good works and not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And here's here's the thing. It's hard to do these things from a distance. It's hard to encourage and love and build up and pray for and forgive. It's hard to do that and not be in any kind of relationship contact. It's, it's hard to do it from a distance. And some of you have excelled it's, uh, how, how you have, in this body, have reached out without, any, without an organize, organized mechanism, just being the body of Christ. So many of you have reached out to each other in love and care at demonstrating the body of Christ. And uh, you, you may have missed this, especially if you're watching online, you may have missed this. Of what I, This is something I wrote in the e-branch, and I know a lot of you don't read emails any longer. I was looking at a friend of mine's phone this week, and he had 25,000 unread emails on his phone. So I recognize that a lot of emails are going unread because, you know, now we've moved to text and all of, you know, we're you know, the technology is always changing. So you may have missed this. This was in our e-branch that we send out. And I usually write a little article in the beginning. And so I wrote this. You are important to the body. You're needed. When you're present, it makes a difference. And when you're absent, something is missing. We're still missing so many of you. And don't get me wrong. I want you to stay safe, take care of yourself and your family. Many of you are in a high-risk category, like I am, and you need to stay safe. But if you're still sheltering in place, shelter on. But if you feel safe enough to go to Target or Walmart or go out and eat in a restaurant or celebrate in a bar, but don't value worshiping in your faith community, you might need to rethink your priorities. This is not about numbers present. This is about community. Watch it online is a great tool. I'm glad we have it in a crisis, but it's a poor substitute for being face-to-face, even if that face has a mask on it. I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm not saying this so you will feel guilty because guilt is a poor motivator. But I do love you. I'm your pastor, and I do love you, and I want you to think about how much you are loved and how much you are being missed, and how m- valuable you are to the body of Christ. When you're not here, we miss something. We miss you. You are a part of the body, and so we miss you. So, with that, let's pray. You can stand up. always like you to stand up that way you're ready to run out just saves us a step lord lord help us to be the church you've created us to be lord help us as your people to storm the gates of hell to set the captives free to bind the enemy set at liberty those that are bound Lord help us to carry the gospel effectively not just here not just around us not just to people around us but Lord help us to be carriers of the gospel and affect around the world Lord help us both here and to the ends of the earth be affected with your gospel Lord help us to be the body in such a way that the world sees us and it And it declares the validity of who Jesus is and what he accomplished. That instead of the church calling to question whether Jesus is real, we the church validate in people's minds because they are seeing Christ manifest. We are witnesses to Christ so that the world sees Jesus through us. that the world would believe in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I love you. I understand if you're living somewhere and you can't come, I'm not bringing judgment of you. And I don't say that any of what I've said to condemn anyone, but I believe we need to make worship a priority. Love you.